Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Cortellini-ish podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lowy. Really excited today because we have had, we have a unique uh, trailblazing episode for you today. We are on the cusp of the O Clasico between Porto and Benfica. And today we've got fans from Porto and Benfica. So Cristiano Oliveira, uh, long time ETL podcast guest. Great to have him back on on the Benfica on the Benficaista side. Uh, we've also got the Porto podcast in English that features Jason Marigo and Rui dos Santos. How are you guys today? Fantastic, man! Thanks for uh, having us on. I'm doing yeah. well, Zach. Thank you for the invite, man. I'm excited to talk to these young gentlemen here. I hope they don't gang up on me, but uh, <laughs> you know, it takes it takes a whole lot of protesters to bring down Benficaista, as we know. You know, one big fiquista amounts to 10 of them. So, self-making. Ready to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. This is uh, it's going to be a great game. Uh, I think there's a lot riding on the line. And uh can determine who's in first, right? We can either widen the gap or bring Porto up there. Yeah, and it seems like both teams are at their best right now. Porto finally catching their stride. So, it's going to, I think it's going to be a, a huge battle. Huge battle. Yeah, I'm glad you guys were able to handle, you know, almighty Anadia. I'm glad you guys are hitting your stride coming into this class. You coming in on Friday. Benfica, as we know, we struggled with, uh, you know, college. They, they, look, credit to them. Uh, they played a hell of a game. They yeah. played a hell of a game. But look, uh, fortunately for us, we're still alive. Unlike our neighbors who are at home crying and pouting about something else like they do every other weekend. Uh, but yeah, it was glad to be alive. And it's going to be an interesting uh, Taça de Portugal. But as you said, Zach, Jason, Rui, we're here to talk about the one and only Clásico, right? This is Sportingistas like to throw it in there sometimes. Oh, we're playing Porto. A no, no, no. There's only one Clásico. And that Clásico is Benfica-Porto. Everything else is noise. When it's Benfica-Sporting, it's the derby. E o resto é música, like we like to say in Portuguese. So there's one Clásico, and that's this Friday coming up. at Stai do Ladrão. I mean, Dragão. And uh, excited. Excited to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, let's get into the weekend's action uh, first. We saw Sporting lose one nothing to third-tier Varzim. Marichimo losing 4-2 to second-tier Mafra, who reached the semifinals of Atasa last season. We'll be interesting if they can make another big run. Uh, Santa Clara losing to recently relegated Tondela. Rio Ave losing to third-tier Oliveira Hospital. Boa Vista losing to fourth-tier Machico. Chaves losing to third-tier Valadares Gaia. Portimonense losing to third-tier Vila Verdense. And Passos de Ferreira losing to third-tier Vitoria de Stubal, which also saw Cesar Peixoto become the third manager of the Primera season uh, to lose his job. Benfica, on the other hand, they managed to beat third-tier Caldas after drawing 1-1 in a game that would see... Pitar Musa coming off the bench uh, for Rodrigo Pino and scoring his second Benfica goal, uh, going to penalties, Benfica edging them. Braga, on the other hand, and Estoril needing late goals to beat Felgueiras and Amora. Porto, if there was any team that actually convinced uh, this past weekend in the Taça de Portugal, it was undoubtedly Sergio Conceição's Porto. They needed a big performance to head into a Friday's Clásico at the Dragao, and they got it with a 6 nothing victory against Analia. Guys, walk me through this performance. Uh, what did you make of it? A lot of new faces in the starting lineup, such as Gabriel Verón. Overall, how important was that uh, victory ahead of this big match? I mean, when you see the, the performances from the other teams in the first division, as you mentioned, they seem to struggle against the teams in the lower divisions. Uh, you know, it's expected. We're expected to to be in the, uh, the way that we did. Uh, it was great to see that the younger players that haven't seen too much time on the pitch this season get their chance and actually perform at that level. I mean, it doesn't say much, but it's what it's what they're expected to do. It's a game that we should put goals away. It's a game that we shouldn't have too many mistakes. And, you know, I, I was pretty pleased that the players that haven't been on the pitch too often this season performed well played well and that's all that matters I think it's it's good to see that Danny Loder who started off the season really slow get a uh, I think he got one goal in this game uh but he was really involved uh Gabriel Veron you know he was a big signing for us and he's the future of our club 
played really well. And Tony Martinez, that guy that we find to be very reliable to come off the bench, get a goal, and he can come in when there's an injury. And he's he he continued to to show that he is reliable in any sort of situation. So it's good to see the performance that we had yesterday. Yeah, I'm gonna highlight Vadon here. It was uh, for me, he was the guy who harnessed the opportunity most, and uh, you could tell he's not happy with his play time. Obviously, he's a he's a baller. He wants to be on the pitch, and uh, he showed that he can be the man, and everything can run through him. I think he harnessed the opportunity best. And uh, everything was facilitated through him, and he continuously just created things and he made things happen. And I think it was pretty obvious that he wants to be a part of that, that starting 11 for Porto. He wants to find his position in there. He uh, he didn't take that game lightly. He didn't just think it was, a oh, it's this lower division. We're just going to walk around, and we'll get our chances. We'll win the game. He uh, he got after it right from minute one, and he created, and he scored. And he for me, you could tell he he wants to be a part of this team. If you haven't yet, definitely check out my uh, interview with Harry Brooks on Gabriel Verón. Spoke to him after he signed from Palmeiras. Overall, massive game for him, as well as Tony Martinez, Dani Nomasa, Loder, Bruno Costa, Marco Grujic. Um, would imagine that from that front six, the only player who will keep his spot in the starting XI is Otavio. Defense remains to be seen. Claudio Ramos will certainly drop out of the XI for Diogo Costa, but... Had a big, big performance and a clean sheet in goal. Curious, though, from the back four, you have Wendell starting at left back. And this season has definitely seen him stake a claim to that position ahead of Zaidu Sanusi, who, of course, scored that last-minute goal against Benfica to seal the league title in the Estadio de Luz. Cristiano, not sure if you uh, remember that match. Just wanted to... <laughs> No, no uh, yeah, some, my memory, yes, yeah, right now is not really working. That's our second home stadium. <laughs> uh, and the rest of the back four featuring David Carmo, Fabio Cardoso, who scored, and Rodrigo Conceição, similarly to left back, been a bit of an open competition between him, João Mario, even Pepe playing there. Curious, though, where do you guys see Porto's starting lineup being for this match? Yeah, I think I'll go. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see Wendell back there. Um, I'm, I don't think Pep is going to be available for this game, right? He's, he's still going to be out. Um, so obviously David Carmo and, um, and uh, Fabio Cardoso, I would, I would have liked to see Rodrigo Sensão, but I just read this morning that he also picked up an injury and Joao Mario is still not a hundred percent. So it looks like it might be Wilson Manafa being at right back, but you know, we're going to stick with the with, with what works. I expect the 4-4-2. So let's, the same suspects, the usual suspects in the midfield, Eustachio, Uribe, Otavio, and uh, Pepe on the left side. I love the energy that Galenu brings off the bench. He's been really good in that role. And then, obviously, Ivan Nielsen and Teremi up top uh, as the striker duos. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised we see Pepe right back in this game and he starts Galenu because I, I think it's going to yeah. be tough. Out of starting lineup after his performances this season, so I wouldn't be too surprised, especially with those injuries. And he's just—it's. I think it's similar to the like the past Corona role where it's like, yeah, he's not a true right back, but honestly, he defends well enough and he creates enough going forward. It's just—it's a—it's a guy we need on the pitch, and I don't think he wants to bench Galeno either. So we'll see. We'll be very interesting. Galeno obviously having a massive performance against Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Pepe has, you know, played in that right back position, I think due to Porto's neglectfulness in signing a, a real competitor at right back. Um, I do think that playing him in that Tecatito Corona role, I feel like it would be a waste of his abilities as well as his pace going forward. Both him and Galeno, though, have experience playing in a wing back, full back role. We'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I wanted to talk about this, the central defense, though, because I think that Pepe could be a massive loss in defense. David Carmo has not really set the world alight since joining from Braga. I think there's still a lot of question marks and would definitely be expecting Fabio Cardoso to get the start ahead of Ivan Marcano. Um, talk to me a little bit about these options. So how confident are you? Uh, with this, with with Cardoso and Carmo going up against likes of Gonzalo Ramos, Rafa Silva, don't believe. Not sure if David Neres will be back in the starting lineup, but we'll see what happens. 
Cristiano, I don't know if you have any information on that, but as far as Porto, man, listen. As far as, far as David Neres going back. With David Neres, I think I'm, I'm sorry about that. I had to walk away for a second. I think David Neres, maybe he held them out because I think they they've been looking at you know forward to this game at the Dragão on Friday, and I think they've done you know their due diligence to make sure that he's going to be uh, available for that game. So I, I don't I don't think there's any doubt that we'll see David Neres at the Dragão on Friday. Guys, how do you how confident are you of Carmo and Cardoso going up against this Benfica attack? Yeah, they're obviously I'd. <laughs> I'd rather have uh, Pep out there, but if I don't think he's going to be back in time, so it's a huge loss. So we're going to be lacking that that leadership, that experience, that extra quality in the back. But you know, uh, David Carmo, you're absolutely right. I think has been a little bit of a disappointment. He is still young. It's a new signing. Going from Braga to Porto is a completely different atmosphere. The pressure is on. Um, there, it becomes totally demanding and sometimes it takes players a while to adjust or sometimes they never adjust at all. So, uh, if, if Pep was out there, I think I would actually take out David Carmo and put in Fabio Cardoso because Cardoso has been doing really well in the last few games, the games that he's been playing in the champions league. He was fantastic in the last game against, uh, Bayer Leverkusen. So, um, overall, if it is David Carmo and Fabio Cardoso, it's um, I'm going to have a little bit of worries because Benfica's attack has been really lethal and they know how to control the game a lot better this year than they did last year in the midfield. All those new players coming in or coming in and filling the roles in the midfield, they've been great and their attack is even better than last year. So they're a dangerous club and we have to we have to be careful. So those mistakes, those slip ups that we've seen in the back this season, and not having Pep there, it's going to be it's going to be problematic. So we have to minimize that as much as we can if we don't want Benfica to score in this game. I'll tell you guys this much: <clears throat> not having, and I have to admit it, not having paid much attention to Porto games. Um, I I've watched very few uh, minutes of Porto games, but at the same time, from 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 what I get from Protistas, um, is that David Carmo has been a little bit of a disappointment. I thought he was going to come in. I thought. He was going to grab that position and, and he was going to run away with it. Um, I'm a little surprised that he struggled this much early on here in the season, but he's, he's an exceptional talent. I was a little bit upset. I just, you know, the price tag made me feel a little bit better, but I was a little upset Benfica didn't go after him because I thought he fit exactly what Benfica was looking to do. And obviously went out and got João Vitor and now with all these center back options at Benfica, you even wonder why the hell Benfica spent 10 million on him. But, you know, it, it, those are good problems to have. But yeah, David Carmo is someone that I, I think I expected a little bit more from. It's early and uh, hopefully for Porto and not hopefully for myself, but hopefully for Porto, he does turn it around at some point. Yeah, no, I, I agree with both of you. I think Carmo has been a little bit disappointing, especially with that price tag. You, the expectations yeah. are good higher and he's already been in the season so i mean in the the premier league so he knows what to expect he's played all these teams so it's not like he's a fish out of water and it's something new to him obviously porto is a completely different club than braga so it's a it's a different atmosphere it's his expectations are going to be higher you, you need to win more you can't can't afford as many mistakes and i mean obviously if you're going to compare him to a guy like pepe who's very weathered and the guy's been everywhere in the world and he's won every type of title so it's tough he, he's got big expectations to live up to this is a game where he can make a statement but like like Rui said I, it does make me a little nervous that Pepe is not back there in this game but uh, they can do it it's gonna I think it'll rely on Carmu is can he make a statement in this game the only thing that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable is we're playing the 4-4-2 this season you have two guys who are defensively sound in front of him Ishtaki and Uvibe which definitely helps the center backs takes a little bit of pressure off of them because in the past we'd play the 4-3-3 and you needed that holding midfielder who's going to be a rock, but they have two guys in front of him who can both defend. And then not for nothing, Diego Costa has been lights out this season. So if he has a day, like he could save both of those center backs. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. It, there's so many things that it could depend because like you said, Benfica's forwards this season, they're, they're lethal. And to me, it's the scariest front line in the, in the game, in the league. This I year. wouldn't call them lethal, bro. I mean, I understand we create <laughs> a bunch of chances, but I think we, we spoil more opportunities than we convert uh, real quick. Just a, Back on Pep. Has it been confirmed that he's out on Friday? Because we know with Porto's medical staff, miracles do happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I mean, we could call Marega and he'll tell you. I mean, I'm just asking. I'm not trying to be funny, but at the yeah. same time, has it been confirmed that he's out? Because that is a you to me, man. Look, and Zach, you're a perfect guy to talk to about this because I think most of the media throughout the world wants to make a big thing about these other center backs in world football. And if Pep wasn't quote unquote brazuca Portuguese, if he was Brazilian. 
I think he'd get a lot more love than what he's getting due to the fact that he's poor. This is a guy that is doing at this age with a lot. And I understand this season has not gone well for him due to injuries. But Pep has been a monster, even with his with his nonsense at Real Madrid. This is a guy. And look, this is coming from Cristiano Oliveira. You know it takes a lot to defend the Portista. All right. This guy has been an absolute monster at every stage in his career. He didn't get the love that he deserved and the respect that he deserved at Real Madrid, and he's still not getting it. You got other bums that live off of mistakes and scoring late goals and, you know, and in games and stuff. Those guys get all the praise. And Pep has been the solid, constant rock in every team he's played on. He's been on the national team, leading the national to semifinals and finals of major championships. He's won Champions Leagues. He's doing stuff at Porto that, but look, Cristiano Ronaldo, as great as he is at 37, can't cut it. Pep is older, and Pep's still doing it. I get it. This year has been a little bit of, of you know, uh, he's hit a little bit of a roadblock. But the guy's phenomenal, Zach. You got to get these other people around to give the guy the love that he deserves. Pep is a monster, and I am concerned. I'd much rather face Fabio Cardozo. For a Pep to turn around and look at Gonzalo Ramos and say, bitch, get in your place. To intimidate, it's easy. Pep will intimidate the crap out of the Benfica youngsters. So I don't want to see Pep on the field. So I'm praying and I'm hoping that you guys tell, yes, it's been confirmed. There are not going to be any miracle recoveries by the Porto staff. You know, so, um, and I know I went off a little bit on tangent, but that's what I do. So, can you guys, has it been confirmed? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know if they'll confirm it till game day, to be completely honest with you. You know how Porto works. No, I know, but I mean, it could have been one of those injuries, like the guy's no. going to miss two months. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Okay, so we don't know uh, up until game day. Got you guys. I don't know. I might pull in Otavio <laughs> in the Champions League when he just yeah. randomly, he's expected... <laughs> Everyone said that he had a broken rib or whatever, but ended up being like a bruise, and then yeah. he just shows up in the starting lineup. No problem. Marega, Marega was supposed to be out for six months. Went to China, came back next month to face Benfica. Miracle. It's just the yeah, cycling guy's, team. The cycling yeah, that guy's team, a tractor, man. That guy's a truck. Yeah, I know. I just look. He's I'm dope. teasing. I'm teasing with you guys. I'm just trying <laughs> yeah. to be a little bit of a. Since Zach brought me onto this uh, to this Cartelinas podcast, and thank you by the way once again for for the invitation. And he described me as a fan. I'm acting like a fan. You know what I mean? He wants me to be a fan. I'll be a fan. Um, and so therefore I talk a little bit more gibberish today than I normally would, but, uh, yeah, Porto's got the cycling teams, got the Marega injuries, the Otavio injury, you know what I mean? It's just miraculously in all jokes aside. Now we've seen, at least in my lifetime, I'm a little bit older than you guys. I'm assuming, um, in my lifetime, it, 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 how do I put this? If there's ever a club or a time that players do go out of their way to sacrifice their own bodies and their own future health wise. For a club, it's Porto. You know, that's the one thing that I, myself, on the outside, obviously, you know, being a team, you know, a, a red color fan rather than a blue, and I'm not making this a Crips and a Blood thing. Please, please don't take it that way. Uh, I'm talking about sporting uh, sports here. I mean, if you can Porto. There's a way to play. You play our way or you don't play here. So if there's ever a club that players are going to give that little extra, it is you guys. So I would not be surprised if Pep is out there on Friday. I was just hoping that I get, you know, confirmation that he wasn't. I don't know, man. He's got the warrior mentality. So it's always exactly. tough to exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not hallucinating. That really was Cristiano Oliveira praising a Porto player. Uh, do not call your doctor. <laughs> Porto currently. My, my DMs will be filling up with hatred soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Porto are currently six points above Sporting and Boavista, five points above Casapia, and three points above Braga, who are the still the highest scoring team in Portugal with 24 goals. Uh, Porto have scored one fewer goal than Benfica with 22 goals. They've conceded one goal more than Benfica with six goals, and they are three points behind Benfica can go level with a win at the Dragao. Overall, there is not that much that has separated these two teams. But I do think that when you look at their overall form, there are certainly some differences. Benfica, starting off with a an, an immaculate start to the season under Roger Schmidt, winning their first 13 matches before uh, starting off October with a 0-0 draw, to Vitoria de Guimarães, drawing 1-1 to Paris Saint-Germain, beating Rio Ave 4-2, drawing 1-1 uh, to Paris Saint-Germain before uh, drawing 1-1 to Caldas and winning on penalties in the Taça de Portugal 
against this third tier side. I do think that there are definitely some uh, concerns about Benfica's recent form. And this is obviously, they started perfect, but there were still some question marks in performances against, for example, Vizela, Passos de Pajeda, Famalicão, uh, where they, they managed to gut it out. But I am somewhat concerned because Roger Schmidt has not shown that much uh, rotation, deviation from his main starters. With the amount of football that these players are, are playing with, you know, matches being congested due to the World Cup, I do wonder if some players are starting to feel the fatigue. Um, Cristiano, curious, do you feel like there's been somewhat fatigued performances in any of these players? Yeah, I mean, I complained about this on the Benfica podcast every single week, I think, uh, so far, which is you look at that Benfica rotation. There's 11, 12, 13, if I'm really being nice, deep, right? Obviously, we have a boatload of options at center back, even though the guys are all coming back now from from injuries. But there's not much house on the wings and in, in, in up top. And so I think Roger Schmidt is looking at this like, look, the most important game is the next one in front of us. Let's worry about this game. We'll worry about the remaining of the season two, three months down the line. Because right now we got to get these three points in the bag. And at some point, let's not forget, there is a World Cup that's less than a month away from kicking off or about a month away from kicking off, whatever the exact dates are. And the players will have plenty of time then to rest. Obviously, I would have liked to see much more rotation, but there's the options a week. When you're looking at the Benfica bench and you're looking at Chiquinho, you're looking at, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, Gonçalves, Diogo Gonçalves. You're looking at Enrique Araujo, who I thought was going to have a little bit more to say early on here in the season. He's really been discarded. Rodrigo Pino hasn't really played much. Peter Musa, I don't even know how he scored that goal against uh, Kalazi. I think he made a mistake. He tried to trap it, go around the guy. I don't. Even, I think he surprised <laughs> himself because that guy is not a Benfica caliber player. The facts are that if Draxler does not come into form at some point, Benfica is really going to be struggling for options. And right now, Rogers is worried about winning the next game. And we'll worry about the game following after that. And that's what they're doing right now. I know Benfica played a lot of the regulars. Uh, talking about Enzo Perez and Joao Mario. Uh, Enzo, I keep calling Perez. Enzo Fernandez and Joao Mario played 120 minutes against college. And I get it. You can look at it and just say, look, Benfica is club do povo, right? Benfica is the people's club. And they gave the people their money's worth, right? They paid their hard-earned money to go watch college. Like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to extend this as long as we can. But at the end of the day, it's a game that Benfica should have handled, should have controlled. I don't know if it was because of fatigue. I don't know if it was attitude. I don't know what it was. But obviously, Benfica did not have that walk in the park that Porto did. Um, the good thing is that there is about – this is a full week, right? Benfica played on Saturday, and then they played Porto on, on Friday. So about a full week to recover. And I think Benfica will do exactly that. Uh, I don't have any doubt that Benfica will show up. Obviously, um, We've seen over the last 15, 20 years when Mifika goes to the Dragon, it's as if they never come out of the bus. Uh, and I'm hoping that they do come out of the bus this time and Mifika puts up a performance and uh, they handle their business. But yeah, um, their options are very limited, guys. I don't know if you two Portistas pay much attention to Mifika. I don't blame you if you don't because I don't play, pay attention to your club. But the options are, are very thin. And, and Zach, at some point, it's going to cost Mifika. Right now, the difference between Mifika... Um, being that killer, that you know, that attack that these guys were talking about, that they fear so much. We do not have a bona fide finisher up top. Gonzalo Ramos does his thing. He, he's a lot of movement. The guy's work ethic is, is something to be, to you know, to be clapped and, and applauded and the whole nine. But the fact is, finishing-wise, he leaves a lot there on the plate. And I think Benfica with the more clinical striker up top, look, you can make the argument in that first half against Barisha Germán, we could have pulled off a shocker. And we didn't, obviously. Um, but there's these things that could happen if Benfica had a little bit more quality up top, and I don't believe we do right now. Do you feel that there are any areas in particular that Benfica have worsened since Darwin Nunez's departure? I mean, anytime you lose a player the caliber Nunez, at least in the Portuguese league, right, where the guy was a player of the year, yeah, it's going to be weakened. But, you know, João Mario, who I'm not a fan of, I must admit I'm not a fan of, especially a left wing which I'm even a lesser fan of him at that position. But he, he's, he's handled himself well, and I think, you know, um, he's played well. I've gotten a tremendous amount of hate on Twitter 
um, asking me about if I still feel the same way I did about the guy before as I do now. And I, I just look, he's doing what he has to do. I think Roger Schmidt has these boys playing football. It's attractive football. It's the type of football that I myself as a Benfica, lifelong Benfica, I've always wanted to see. No matter the opponent, I want us to come out and play football and see you eye to eye. And look, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with our best shot rather than me, you know, pulling your Fernando Santos and having everybody on the fence. Um, and, it's, you know, it's, it's beautiful to see. But at the end of the day, it'll all come down to wins and losses. And if Benfica goes into the Dragon and we play ugly football, but we turn away, we walk away with three points. I think that's that that'll be the important thing in the end. But I expect Benfica to come in and play their, their style of football, attacking and, and try to bring it to Porto. At this point, I think due to the way that the, the last few games have gone, or, you know, let's just say the whole season has gone, I think Benfica has been in a slightly better form, even though it's argue, it's, it's, it's hard to argue that because Benfica basically drawn the last four games. But you have to take into account two of those games are against Paris Saint-Germain. So the caliber competition is a little bit higher. I expect Benfica to just show up. It's, look, things are going to be interesting. Every time Benfica goes into the Dragon, it's it's one of those, you know, must-watch games. And because something something new, something that we haven't witnessed is going to pop up at some time. So Roger Schmidt has not really changed that much of his starting lineup. It has typically been a 4-2-3-1 uh, mm-hmm. with Gonzalo Ramos as a center forward and João Mario, Rafa Silva, and David Neres playing behind him. Enzo Fernandez and uh, Florentino Luis playing in the double pivot, uh, although Frederick Arsnes also getting a few starts in the past few weeks. Back four of Alex Grimaldo, uh, Nicolas Otamendi, right back, Alexander Ba, I think, will get the start uh, over Gilberto. And Gilberto had a horrible, I mean, probably his worst game at Benfica this past uh, week in the Tasa Portugal against uh, Carlos. That was, I mean, I don't, that's not, not that we thought the guy was technically gifted, but this game made him even look even worse. It's just a bad game for him. So I doubt he plays on Friday. Goalkeeper will definitely be Odysseus Vlachodimos. Like I said, hasn't been a lot of uh, changing in the lineup. But one area where there has been has been central defense. Uh, Roger Schmidt starting off the season with a central defensive pairing of uh, Felipe Morato and Nicolas Otamendi, only for Morato to get injured, and Antonio Silva getting the first start of his professional career on August 27th, becoming a starter in defense as Benfica have continued their unbeaten start to the campaign overall showing some really promising uh, performances in the back four and winning the best defender award for the Primera Liga for the month of September. And Morato, uh, Morato won it in August and then he got injured and then obviously got replaced by Silva and Silva 18, won that. 18 years old uh, was named in the 20 nominees of the golden boy. And overall, I think, Definitely think he is a player who we should be mentioning as a potential long-term heir to Pep in central defense for the Salasau. Cristiano, talk to me about this player. What have you made of him so far? What have I made of him? Bro, look, it's I'm not one of these guys that sees a guy play two, three times and goes goo goo gaga over him. I think he's been spectacular when you take into account he's only 18 years old. You take take into account the level of competition that he's facing week in, week out, in particular in the Champions League, right? Um, and I think the kid, the kid's been spectacular. He's had a few hiccups, but I think the future is very, very bright for him. I'm just not one of these guys that's ready to call for him to be starting alongside Ruben Diaz at the World Cup. I think the the ba- the brakes need to be pumped a little bit. I think he's very young. Um, I think he's got the rest, the, not the rest, but the next 15 years of his career, 14, 15 years of his career to play on the national team level. I think right now, just let the kid be a kid. He's going to have hiccups. Every player has hiccups. I mean, from the most seasoned veteran, you know, uh, center backs in the world, they have hiccups. He has hiccups. The problem is that every little thing he's doing right now is being looked under the magnifying glass and is being exaggerated to the next level. And so just let the kid be a kid. I'm tired of all this national team talk. And and I get it that the media has a has a history of hyping up Benfica prospects in the whole nine. And some of them are justified and others haven't been justified. But in this case, I think he's going to get to that next level. But let the kid be a kid. He's 18 years old. None of us expected anything from him just last season, right? I mean, I'm a Benfica fan. I never heard of the kid. And Benfica won the youth Champions League last year. I had no idea who he was. 
So uh, that goes to tell you, just like, I'll, I just want a kid to be a kid. Let him enjoy his time. It's great to see him playing at this level. I think the sky's the limit. But I'm not going to put the kid and bring on these huge expectations on the kid like the majority of other people are doing. We've talked a little bit about Porto's central defensive options, right? Fabio Cardoso um, likely to start alongside David Carmo. Big test for both of them. Cardoso arriving from Santa Clara in the summer of 2021. Didn't really play much ahead of Chancel Mbamba or Pep, uh, but will be starting alongside new signing David Carmo. Uh, Wilson Manafa, on the other hand, just returned from injury, I think for the first time in a year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, will be interesting to see if he gets the start. Overall, do you guys expect Manafa to be the starting right back or Pep? Yeah, now that uh, that Jason mentioned it, because we talk a lot about on our podcast the versatility that we have, the options with all the wingers on our team that are able to adjust uh, to right back if needed. Pepe has done rather well. Obviously, as you mentioned, Zach, I would rather see him up top so he can maximize his potential because I think up there is where you're going to see the best of him. You'll see good things from him at right back because I think defensively he's much better than Joel Mario, and he's just as good getting forward. Um, his crosses are great. His dribbling ability is fantastic. Um, so now that Jason had mentioned that, I think uh, Pepe is going to be the guy. I don't think Wilson Manafa should be starting. He's been out for a long time, and he's kind of just been out of that rotation for a couple of seasons at least. So, yeah, I, I'd like to see Pepe and then throw uh, Galeno right in at, at left wing for sure. Absolutely. And any, anything else you want to add, Jason? Looks like we lost Jason for a second. Pepe, one thing to, to note about the right back screen and the, this debate, Pepe or Manafa, you know, Manafa has never really convinced as a Porto caliber player. And Pepe, while you want him to be playing in his natural position of a winger, I do think he would be a better option there if it comes down between them with Jo Mario uh, and Rodrigo Conceição out. I know that Bruno Costa had played there at certain points last season, but probably wouldn't be a good move to put him either. Overall, I, you know, we said it in the summer. Porto, their failure to sign right back is going to come back to bite them. Be interesting to see what happens with uh, in the left back position, whether it's Wendell or Zayus and Lucy who gets the start. But uh, like I said, we've talked about Porto's central defensive options. Don't Conceição's kid play there on the right side? Right. I believe he's Francisco, in. Uh, no, not Francisco's the one that left, right? This one, Rodrigo. Yeah. Francisco this one, Rodrigo. Ajax, yes. Yeah, yeah. This one. So wouldn't his dad throw his son a bone and throw him in a big matchup like this? <laughs> Jason, oh, like, yeah. hell no. I don't want no part <laughs> he, of it. He, he never <laughs> does, man. I mean, I, I don't know. He, he may be a part of the reason why he left, maybe the board. But I, yeah, it feels like his kids play well and. They don't get the the fear opportunities that others get, to say the least. Oh yeah. I don't know if I. It's just what I've been witnessing in the past yeah. two seasons. Yeah, Rodrigo picked up a, a contusion on his uh, on his leg in uh, yesterday's game, so we don't know if he's going to be be able to make it or not. Still not a hundred percent. Still a, uh, several days until the game, but um, yeah, I would like originally I would like to see the Rodrigo out there because he's been really good since he stepped onto the pitch and every game. He's either in the bad games that we've had, he was the better player. I think it was against Ishturil. And basically all the other games where we have been playing better, he was just as good as everyone else on the pitch, which is which is great to see. So uh, originally I'd like to see him so Pepe can be out on the wing, let him do his thing. And then in the second half with fresh legs, Galeno can come on and give us that, sp uh, that spark. But um, yeah, my first option, hopefully it's Rodrigo and then Pepe. For uh for the backup option. So just to clarify things for those that are listening, like Benfica's like myself that don't watch sports, when we're talking about Rodrigo Conceição playing, it's not because of his dad. It's because the guy's warranty is legit. That's what you're saying. Yeah, okay. I, I would say no, so. I'm just yeah, I'm just I don't okay. Good. I'm learning something new. Seeing the rest of the Benfica's listening to this, learn something new as well because we all thought Quilero favor pai and shao shao. He does, he does not play his kids, I'll tell you that much. I mean, Chico last year had some great performances, and then he'd get 10 minutes yeah. the next match. You're like, dude, what are you doing? He just showed you that. He deserves more minutes. Yeah, he's got a sweet game left after foot. Game. Yes. And, and he has a spark, and he gets after every ball. Like, he just never gives up on the play. And we'd be like, why is he on the bench still? Like, 
Uh, it's just, I don't know if it's the Portuguese mentality, doesn't want to play his son. I don't know what it is, but it, it's just, it was frustrating to see when you have a player that good just not getting the minutes he deserves. Francisco? I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it, it's like, it's tough because, yeah, he won he won the Dobradinha, right? He wins, but, like, you're just like, what are you, this kid's getting the shaft. Like, he's such a young talent. Like, why not just give him an extra 10 minutes? He's getting, like, nine minutes at the end of a game. Like, just give him 20, please. Francisco Concesal leaving for Ajax in the summer. Rodrigo, on the other hand, uh, didn't really impress that much at Morirens, who were relegated uh, at the end of the season. And yet, despite not being a regular for them, may very well end up breaking into Sergio Concesal's starting lineup. Uh, remains to be seen what happens in that right-back position. Um, talking a little bit about Benfica's center, central defense, you've got Nicolas Otamendi and Antonio Silva. And while they have formed a solid uh, defensive pairing, I think that there have definitely been times where both Silva and Otamendi have shown signs of perhaps weakness. Uh, Silva, we saw, uh, committed an error at the weekend's match against Kaldas. Uh, Otamendi, on the other hand, has definitely been caught out for pace. I think we saw that in the Vizela goal. Um, But curious, guys, how do you feel are going to be the best ways for Porto to exploit Benfica's defense. We've seen it here, and I think that one of the only things that really separates Benfica and Porto's squad is perhaps versatility and game changers coming off the bench. Cristiano mentioning before, right? Uh, Pitar Musa, Rodrigo Pino, Julian Draxler, Diogo Gonçalves, you stack that up with what Porto have, whether that's Wenderson Galeno, Gabriel Verón, Andre Franco, a lot of uh, interesting players, Daniel Namaso Loder, Tony Martinez, as well as the regulars, right? The Pepes, the Otavios, the Mediterraneans, the Evanilsians. How do you guys feel is going to be the best way to uh, combat Benfica's weaknesses? Yeah, I think we just got to do what we've been doing in the last several games where we've been catching our stride. I think utilizing our wingers, feeding our strikers. I think that Emmy is incredible as a distributor, as that operating as a second striker at times. I think his distribution skills is amazing. He's really good at, at, at getting past defenders and most importantly, holding up play, uh, allowing the other attackers to catch up on the field. I think he's really good. He's kind of got that uh, Ibrahimovic like uh, trait where he can extend plays when there's a long ball, say from a goal kick, for example. He's able to win that header and extend the play to a winger or whatever. And also when he receives the ball, he's good with his body and he can hold the ball, kind of like what Vitinha did in the midfield last year, which we're lacking a lot this season. But I think he's going to play a huge part. So I think if... And, when all, up, been... and when, all, when all that fails, he just dives into the pool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just he's he owns yeah, I mean, he could. There's, there's no way around it. He owns yeah, that. No, yeah, not, but ever, 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 ever since that dive in the against Atletico, he's kind of cooled the Jets back. I think he's kind of gotten the the picture now. So um, so when you do see him fall, it's like he knows that when it's not a penalty, he doesn't say much anymore. And when he does fall, it's mostly uh because he, he receives some sort of contact. But anyway, um, I think he's gonna play a huge role uh, in that. And I think ever since he's kind of adapted that like false nine second striker role where he's been able to be more of a distributor, we've been playing much better and it's made the jobs easier for our midfielders who are a little bit more defensive minded. uh, And it's made the jobs easier for our wingers. So I think we should really, you know, go with that. And I think if, if he's able to have that game uh, and do what he, what he's been doing best, I think we're going to be fine. But at, in the end, I think this game is going to come down to who capitalizes on their opportunities. I think one thing that Benfica have done really well is what championship teams do throughout the course of a season. As the games you mentioned against Basos de Freire, uh, what was the Vizella, other family count? Vizella. Vizella. Championship teams just grind themselves out of situations, no matter how poor you play, even if you're, you know, if your backs are up against the wall, things aren't going right in those moments when you have that opportunity to put it away, you do sometimes luck plays a plays a part. 
And luck is the opportunity that you get, and you have to have the players that capitalize in those moments. It bit Porto in the ass this season, but Benfica are making the most of it. So I think it's going to come down to that. Who's going to make the fewer mistakes and who's going to be more clinical? Not just because Benfica is doing this, but I agree with you, Ruizinho. I mean, in order for a team to win the long – because people forget – these campeonatos are not sprints; they're marathons, right? It's yep. not about how you come out of the gate. You gotta keep them in. You gotta keep that consistency throughout the season. And um, <clears throat> sign of good teams is they find a way to win, ugly, yep. whatever it is. But and I'm yep. not saying this because it's happened to be in those few games. But nah. it's just that's normally if you're a good team, you're gonna do what you have to do. You're gonna have to find a way to get the ball in the back of the net and get away with the three points. And I think that's exactly what Benfica have done here so far. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's the key to any championship team, right? We, we remember these glorious victories, but you forget about those close ones, right? Every time it just happens. It's just all you remember is the title. That's what happens. It's the, the memory gets faded. And I can remember these individual moments of the, these victories that grind it out. But I think going back to the key to Porto in this game, it's going to be a Stocky Uribe, not making mistakes, helping out the defense, right? Especially if Pepe's not in the back. And then what, what's going to happen there is they're going to have to let that front four, the two wingers and the two strikers, they're going to have to create. And Uribe and uh, Shitaki basically are going to have to find Taremi as the hold-up guy. And we're going to have to play off him. He's going to have to find whether it's Galenu, it's Pepe on the wing, Otavio. Those are the guys that are going to create the play, right? Taremi is going to extend that play. He's going to get uh, Benfica players out of position. And we're going to have to expose those holes and those gaps. And it's, it's going to come – at the end of the day, the wingers are going to be crucial in this game. For Porto to win the game, the wingers have to be on. And they have to expose the outside backs and they have to create space from that because Taremi can score any which way, whether it's a header, a volley, shooting the ball, taking a guy on. So they're going to have to find a way to get him some space and open it up for him. So I think the wingers are going to be crucial. I think that's what we're going to have to watch for Porto if they're going to have any chance of winning this game. What we've seen in the past with Sergio Conceição, understanding how, how crucial Grimaldo can be at times and how we attack a lot, you know, down the left side with him coming in and creating opportunities and crossing the ball and getting the ball into good, you know, space to to to, to his teammates. We've seen Sergio Conceição sometimes load that side of the field, and mm-hmm. and and look, I, I'm not sure it'll be Grimaldo because he might just want to test Ba. Alexander Ba is not, uh, you know, played in these big matchups and again rivalry matches like this. I understand he played with Czech Republic, wherever the hell it was, um, but it's not going to the Dragon. One thing we know is that on Friday, come sunshine, rain, snow, hail, hurricanes, call it whatever you want to call it, <laughs> hopefully none of those, right? But one thing we know for sure is that Football Club do Porto will, is coming to play. The players, the one thing about Porto is even when they play bad, the players, right, they do give it their all. But you guys, and I'm not trying to be, I understand we play around, I mess around with you guys, but Porto lives for this moment. Portistas live for Benfica to beat, to play Benfica and beat Benfica. This is when you sign and you show up at San Francisco, <laughs> San Carneiro, whatever it's called. You're told right away, you hate Benfica. You're the biggest club in the country. It's, I'm, right? You know hey, that. Yeah, unzip, uh, un- unzip that tracksuit. Let's see if there's a little Portista uh, <laughs> shirt in there. Uh, hey, hey, you know, you know, like- hey, Rui, you know what's sad, Rui? <laughs> that, that I'm, 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 look, now you made me worry because Zach's only going to release the audio of this, you know, and everybody's going to think I got a Porto shirt under here. But no, this is the Portuguese national team T-shirt, lady. Rui, what do I got under here? What is it? Uh, <laughs> Cidade da Invita. Wow. <laughs> it goes my Twitter crash. I got no followers. <laughs> now I'm definitely releasing the video. From <laughs> no, but, uh, but for first, all serious, all jokes aside. These dudes live for this game, and you guys know that. This is what it's about. And so Benfica has to match that intensity. Benfica has to match that attitude. We've often criticized Benfica through the years that it seems as if we go into style lose scared. Like, if you guys recall, a couple years ago, you guys had, uh, like, statues, like mannequins of being dressed in Benfica, you know, hanging from the bridge and whatever, and the players literally shit their pants. That was it. They walked in. The game was lost. Right as the bus was coming in, there was one of a referee, I believe, hanging a mannequin, and then one in like one or two Benfica kits hanging from the bridge. And when the players saw, that's it. The game was lost. And we we aspire Benfica to trust me. I don't want to be like Porto in no in any other way. Trust me. I I, I don't even want to be considered. You know, whatever. I, no, I can't even talk. That's how much I despise. But the one thing I always admire in football with Porto is that attitude, bro. That garra, and they have it. And you know, on Friday. They're bringing it. 
and Sergio Conceição, I think he's made a career out of that garra, out of that attitude, out of that hatred. And so I just hope that Benfica matches it. You know what I mean? It's our record at the start of the game. It's like only three victories in the last, I don't know how many years now. I know Nuno Gomes, Lima, and João Felix. Those are the, everything else has just been dire for Benfica. Dos it is. The garra, the garra, man, because you guys live. I yeah. mean, you guys are infatuated, whether you want to admit it or not. It's for Benfica. You don't care if you finish in 19th place. As long as Benfica's in 20th, you're fine. That's, hey, we're both, yo, you getting relic? Me too, let's go. But you're that's coming how, with me. And you hey, know that's, that. And you that's, know how that. The, that's how the Northerners are. Even the Braga fans, the Vitória Guimarães fans, like the Porto fans are like, you know, the, the Winterfell of Portugal. <laughs> like the, the, the ruthless... The ruthless people. The winter's the, coming. The winter, yeah, that's where the winter is. It's in, it's in Porto. So uh, I was yeah, born in Aveiro, bro, like an hour away from Porto, not too far. What are you family. doing supporting Benfica, man? Oh I'm, my I'm, god, I, I'm glad. I'm trust me. I'm glad. That's one thing. I'm glad that my dad left me, man. My dad, uh, <laughs> he rest in pieces, left us 14 years ago. But he made me Benfica from a very young age. And my dad grew up in in Stuba, which is, ironically enough, uh, yeah. If you you talk about that hatred that Portistas have towards Benfica. When you go to Stu, my mouth, my jaw is like, ah, they despise Benfica. They're like, yo, some Vitorians, and that's it. And now they're like in fifth of, I don't even know what division they're in now. They actually won the other day. Nice shout out by you, Zach. And that's a Portugal. Nice to see him win. But do you talk about hatred towards Benfica? Them people, they're like, yo, this is our city. We represent our city. So I'm accustomed to this. But yeah, I became Benfica through my dad. And, and, and trust me, I'm happy. But I have a tremendous amount of, uh, of friends that are, that are Portistas. And I understand that. That rivalry, that hatred. Bro, my best friend growing up, and we're still very close to this day, still my brother, he is, if you could picture the worst Portista in the history of Porto, I'm pretty sure you put my best friend side by side with Makako. Makako is like a choir boy. My best friend, and this is like, I'm growing up in the 90s, guys, when you're beating us 5-0. And it's it's the Penta, right? And you went, yo, and I got a lit, bro. You, you guys don't understand. You guys don't understand what I've lived through. So, uh, yeah, man, I understand that rivalry. I understand that hatred. And it's always, again, as I, and I'm going to repeat myself again, but that attitude, man, you guys give it all. And come this game on Friday, you guys will show up to play. I remember in, in Casillas, I believe it was Casillas last year, if there was ever a point where I was confident in a matchup between Benfica and Porto, I had to start to lose on top. I actually predicted a 3 nothing victory for Benfica because you guys were struggling at the time. Benfica was running away with the Campeonato, hitting on all cylinders. Everybody's playing beautiful. And I believe we lost 2-1 to because Sia stood on his head. It's like, yo, bro. And, and, and that's when I really realized, I already knew this, but, you know, sometimes <clears throat> when you look at your team, you don't want to admit it, right? But the facts are that when Porto, Sporting, Benfica, when they play, you throw away records, rivalry games, a rivalry game. Those things have been, you know, people's blood for years. It's it's in the club. It's you know what I mean. And so, don't matter how good Benfica's playing, how good how bad Porto's playing. When they play each other, you know everybody's showing up to play, and that's that goes like as I mentioned with with the other club as well. And so I think you know things will be interesting, but I just hope Benfica matches that intensity because Benfica has gone into the Dragon a few times, and we've matched the same intensity and that attitude. For all we came away with the victory. We just hope we match. And I don't know if you guys recall, I think it was last season. I believe it was last season. It was George, it was George Jesus. When we went to the Dragon, we tied 1 1. If you guys, I think it was last season, right? If you guys, it was me. the season before. Okay. Last okay. season, you guys lost all three of your matches. Okay. Then the season before. Yeah. I forgot. Look, last season is just a blur. But uh, th that one, that two seasons ago, we go into the Dragon, we tied 1 1. And I know a lot of you Portistas were on Twitter and stuff, you know. Bashing Benfiquistas and like, oh, they come into the Dragon and they're celebrating a draw. It wasn't the fact that we got a point. That was it had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. It was all to do with the attitude. Benfica went in and like, yo, Porto, what's up? I'm here. They slapped Porto in the face. And it was that's what we want to see. Like, if we're going to go down to Porto, we want to match that same intensity. Because I think a lot of the times when Benfica's lost these games, as I mentioned to you guys, it's been lost in the parking lot. It hasn't even been lost on the four inside the four lines. It's been the teams, the attitudes. When they see the fans, they see that that you know that show of support that and it intimidates a lot of guys. You get what I'm saying? And so, um, just wanted to correct it here for for you Portistas that are listening uh, to myself for the first time that still think that to this day that Benfica was celebrating a draw. That had to do with the draw. It was the celebrating the attitude that we actually went back and forth with you guys. You know, rather than just play defense all day you know, and, and, you know, hunker up. So 
um, wanted to get that up. 2021 would see uh, Porto drawing 1-1 to Benfica on two occasions uh, before beating them 3-0 in the Taça de Portugal on December 23rd, a match that would see George Jesus sacked afterwards and replaced by Nelson Verissimo. Uh, Porto, one week later, beating them 3-1 in the league before winning 1-0 on the penultimate match day of the season thanks to a last-minute goal from Zaylu Sanusi. Uh, since the start of 2019, Porto have played Benfica on 11 occasions, have won eight and drawn two. Zach, do you got to go time... over those stats? You really got to go over that, man? <laughs> we do. We do, my friend. It's Monday, man. I want to start off a good week here. Bro. The last time Porto lost to Benfica was March 2nd. 2019. 19. Juan Felix and Rafa. So I want to I want to take a look at the starting lineups just so you guys both can appreciate how long ago that was. Porto, Iker Casillas in goal, back four of Wilson Manafa, Philippe Pep, Alex Tellez, a midfield of Jesus Corona, Hector Herrera, Oliver Torres, Yasin Brahimi, uh, and Musa Marega and Adrian Lopez up top. Benfica also holding, also going with a 4-4-2 with Odysseus Vlacodimos in goal, Alex Grimaldo, Ferro, Ruben Diaz, and Al Andre Almeida in defense. Midfield of Rafa Silva, Gabriel Pires, Andres Samaris, PC, and an attack of Harris Seferovic and Joao Felix. So from the Benfica side, would expect Alex Grimaldo, Rafa Silva, and Odysseus Vlacodimos to be starting. Uh, from Porto, remains to be seen if Wilson Manafa is in the starting lineup. Pepe most certainly will not be uh, due to injury, but should also be mentioned that Otavio came off the bench for that one. Um, so that is how long ago, the, the last time Benfica defeated Porto, and that was actually in the Estadio de Dragao, Benfica, of course, would go on to win the league title under Bruno Lodge, had been trailing Porto by, I think, nine points. Uh, at it was eight points at one point. It was eight points, and then that eight one points. game was the one that actually flipped. Right. And then, sadly to say, Porto did the same exact thing the following season to us. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, that you, game. I, just want, Rui, just want to. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. For those of you listening, guys, I know you're not on YouTube because if you're, I mean, on video, he's. I'm a Benfiquista, by the way. I don't want you guys, because I'm just bringing up all these valid Porto points. I just, I'm the Benfiquista here on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Just want to clarify. Bye, La Ruela. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, the way that you were talking, you know, I thought we were on the, the Porto podcast oh, in English. Oh, you know, it was like... <laughs> I think... And the way... And the way... Pinto de Costa has paid Cristiano to spread... Uh, propaganda. I wouldn't be the first NBA. person he paid, yeah. bro. You know what I mean? And when, and when he and when Cristiano was going on his rant, I was just like, wow, it's like it's like he's talking about like Real Madrid or 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 like you know AC Milan, prime AC Milan or something. I was like, wow, this is like he, he's looking up to Porto. There's so many things that he wants to take from Porto to nah, bring just, to Benfica. Just a garra, just a garra. <laughs> just, That's it. Just all garra. Nothing else. Um, but um, yeah, what I was just trying to say is in 2019 in that game um, against uh, Benfica where they beat us 2-1, to one, I'm going to pin that one on Cedric Conceição for not starting Millie down at right back because Manafa got exposed and both goals could have been prevented if Millie down was at right back. And I don't know why. I forgot what the whole reason was, but that game was was on him. I think he would have made a huge difference, Millie down. Hey, glad he didn't play. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's something I can say. Now that that game was, um, look, it, it's always good to see. It was Benfica. epic. It was good to see Benfica going to again. I have to keep reiterating it right, and repeating myself, but Benfica going to the Dragon and playing like that has not happened many times over the last twenty plus years. And so, you know, it is a small victory in itself when you when we go out there and we play like because it's shown when Benfica matches Porto's intensity, we have the quality. You know, we have the ability to pull off, you know, wins on the road. And those are things that used to happen with a lot more frequency in years past. But for some reason, um, over the last 20, 25 years, you could even probably extend a little bit more. Yes, Cesar Brito scored two goals. I mean, Nuno Gomes scored Lima. And then, Trump. I mean, very, very few victories in Ciudad Porto. Because let's not forget Stadio de Santos pre previous to that. And it's just been one of those places that Benfica's had a hard time playing. I think a lot of it has to do with the intimidation. 
with the attitude and Sergio Conceição was a guy. And I, look, I don't mean to be disrespectful to you guys, but I, I, I don't rate him much as a coach. I don't think he's an exceptionally good coach. I think he gets his teams ready to play in terms of attitude and, and you know, gets that garra in them. But tactically, I don't, I don't see nothing special about him. And I think it works at Football Club Porto because, as we mentioned before, this is what. Now, this is what the city is about, that attitude, you know, going against the Lisbon, against the Central Lisbon and all that stuff that you guys come up with. You know, they just start pointing fingers and blaming every everybody else. And then you start getting that defensive attitude and shell towards everyone else. And I think that's what he's good at. And he's able to keep the players focused in that aspect. But aside from that, I'm not much of a Cedric Conceição fan. But, you know, again, he gets his boys ready to play. It's either lose. They come in, and unfortunately, like you just mentioned, that what was his name? The left back um, scored that late goal. I mean, it just there's just been so many daggers over the years. I'm in my 40s, early 40s, guys. So I've been around for a little while in this. So I mean, I've I've lived through these daggers, and again, I just want to see Benfica come out on Friday. I think Benfica are actually favored, slightly favored. Um, but again, as I mentioned before, favoritisms and all that stuff. You throw it all out the window when these teams play. Doesn't matter where they stand in the in the standings, it, you know, the attitude in that gara. That's what's ultimately going to win. It's going to be about who wants this game more. Come come uh, come Friday, and I'm hoping that with Roger Schmidt, we've seen Benfica turn over a page here. It seems as if we're more worried about the way we play rather than everybody else. We've seen with George Sue, even with um, with Lodge when things got bad, Rui Vitoria. You start really adjusting your lineup to match the opposite. Yo, you start, yo, start messing with Capaya, take seafood, rice, you know what I mean? Don't come over there with pasta and, you know, start throwing other things, you know. It's just, don't mess up. Don't mess it up. Don't mess up the recipe. And I think Roger Schmidt has done that. And I think Benfica will come into the little go confident, poised. And I, and, I, and I think that Benfica will be able to come away with a very positive result here. But again, if it doesn't happen, it won't be the first time. And I've seen strange things happen and stranger things happen at Stadio de Gon. So, uh, made the best team win on Friday. Yeah, likewise. I think it's a fair criticism, too, about Sergio. He's not, he's no tactician, like tactician in the game. But uh, one thing he does know, he knows his defense. He knows how to have a team play as a unit. And uh, he, he teaches that that heart. And I think he gets his, the most out of his players. He, the recruiting's done well enough where he lets the offense do whatever they got to do. There, there's no identity when we attack, really. He just you can tell it's the players just creating on the pitch. But uh I think if there's one thing he knows about the game is how to defend as a unit. And uh from there, if you can defend well, the opportunities will come because you're just not goals. I think Atletico Madrid's are fired at Bon El Cholo Simeone higher uh yeah. goes, much cheaper. It's the same coach, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Attitude, no, same thing, but at a much cheaper rate. So and yeah. on, on top of that, <laughs> on top of that, all too, they're both great motivators. Mm-hmm. And we've seen players. At Porto, players that you wouldn't even expect that would flourish in a season, and they have. And a lot of it has to do with having a coach like um, Sergio Conceição just push them to the absolute limits and and kind of put them in a role where they can maximize their strengths and mitigate their their weaknesses. Yeah, but Rui, the only difference, in my opinion, is that when you have Pinto Costa backing you up, you and I could yeah. be a great motivator for Boca do Porto, and we've never been coaches. Nah, what are you talking That's about? That's the guy. Kill guy, yo, Elek Manla. Elek Manla and everybody else, just the lines. And you know that. Yeah. He's the real intimidator there. In the yeah. end, he's the And, you know, if you don't follow what the coach says, you look up at him he, and you know you're not playing again. So that's the real motivation. Pinto da Costa is arguably the greatest football president ever. Yeah, it's him. And just, what's, Zach, what was the guy's name? I forgot his name. The. At, at Perez. Juventus. No, the Juventus. Juventus. What? Oh, Agnelli? <laughs> like yeah, I think they're both, they're both going to have a bust in the special Hall of Fame for those two guys. Yep. <laughs> uh, both of Sergio Conceição's defeats to Benfica came in the 2018-19 season. Uh, since then, he has been pretty much flawless against the Aguirre. Will be really... COVID, COVID. <clears throat> Blame it on COVID. <clears throat> Guys, uh, I wanted to touch up real quick on one player who was having a big impact in Football Club Porto. Uh, Porto obviously having a lot of major departures, um, including Vitinha, Fabio Vieira. A lot of question marks on who was going to replace him. And it turns out that Sir Steven Ustakio has emerged as the Vitinha replacement in midfield uh, alongside Mateo Suribe. How important has Ustakio been? Uh, in getting the balance right for Sergio Conceição's side. Uh, 
Oh, all right. Um, yeah, I think he's really set the tone, and I think he's kind of just put the fire out on the situation that was there. He's come in. Uh, obviously, his his defensive ability is has been great, uh, always has been. But I'm I've been pretty impressed what he can do with the ball. He's not Vitinha, but he does the simple things that work. Uh, he knows where to be. He knows how to adapt to the opposition's press, which we weren't having in the beginning of the season. Um, and he's just not afraid to get forward as well. So he's a workhorse. I see him as the next Uribe because I think he's more similar to Uribe than, than he is to a player like Vitinha. So, and it's great to see that both of both him and Uribe are able to work together and, and his, his attacking ability or his ability on the ball has done well and we've been doing much better ever since he he stepped onto the pitch and got involved into the starting lineup so he's been he's been spectacular since he's taken the pitch it's big shoes to fill and it's great that we have him and he's made the job a lot easier for for everyone else around him he struggled a bit last season right when he first joined he never played that much he never played too much i mean about struggle a bit yeah like he was there was questions of whether you guys were even going to pick up his option or not, right at the end of the season, and fortunately for him, they did, and, and he's been he's been good, right? Yeah, the style of play Porto has to play this season, and being reliant on the wingers. Last season, I don't think he really fit the molds, right? When you have Vitinha and Vitor Ferreira in the middle, like that's those guys just want the ball at all times. Where's your stuff even going to play, right? You have you have Uribe who's consistent, and I mean this season he, he's had the opportunity, and I think. He makes the four four two complete for Porto, and mm-hmm. he's going to be a crucial guy going forward. He'll he'll he won't get recognized for a lot of the stuff he does, right? Because it's just the dirty work and being stable and not pissing away the ball and not just giving up cheap goals. So that's like a lot of what he's good at. And I, to me, he's a very crucial guy in that midfield. Because if we don't have him, who do you put there? Look, the one thing Back to I, square I, one. The the one thing I think doesn't get enough recognition here is the job that Porto Benfica and Sporting in some cases do. I mean, you Porto lost Vitinha, Fabio Vieira, right? <laughs> and and it's one thing I could sit here and criticize and, and joke around and, you know, and, and point the fingers at Porto paying referee, yada, yada. It's one thing questioning domestic results, right? But you see what they've done in the championship. I understand you got smacked by, uh, what's, what's the name of the team? 4-0? Club um, Bruges. Yeah, I understand you got smacked Bruges, but you've done well against Atletico Madrid. You've done well, obviously, against Leverkusen. We're struggling a little bit, but still, you still got to win those games. The thing is, yeah. you got to win those games. And so there's no questioning Porto's record at the European level. And yet, Benfica's turned it around a bit. Last season, we had a nice run, and now this year, we're having a nice run. But the one thing that doesn't get enough recognition is the quality of players that Benfica and Porto are constantly losing to the top teams in the world, and yet they restock. And yet they come back out and they're having positive performances in European competitions. And it's just amazing that these clubs, what they do, and it's amazing that they don't get more love and more recognition. I mean, Zach is one of these guys, you know, along with the rest of the media that falls in love with the Ajaxes of the world. And all Benfica and Porto have been doing it for 30 years. It hasn't been for the last 10. This is a 30-year thing, and I don't think they get enough recognition. Zach, La Masia, next to Seychelles. I'm joking. Don't bring up. Just had to catch a stray bullet in the final minutes of it. Only Cristiano Oliveira. Um, guys, Porto currently second in Group B with six points. Uh, four points behind Club Bruges, who have already qualified to the knockout round. Two points above Atletico Madrid and three points above Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Benfica, on the other hand, level with Paris Saint-Germain, five points above both Juventus and Maccabi Haifa, with two matches remaining. And Sporting, currently level on six points with Marseille, one point behind Tottenham, and two points above Eintracht Frankfurt. Gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure discussing this, but it's time for the moment of truth. What is going to be the final score on Friday? Acho que o Benfica vai levar cinco gols. Outra vez. For the English speakers, Ruizinho. Ruizinho has clearly been drinking no. early this morning, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to seriously, uh, three to one, Porto. It's been like a scoreline that they've had against Benfica recently, so I'm going to keep it going. Keep the train moving. You know, it's funny, Ruizinho, I've been... I've been kind. I've been sitting because I knew this moment was coming. I haven't given it much thought until we started recording the podcast. And and honestly, 
I was thinking three one as well, but obviously for the good boys, for the you know for the good guys. Um, but it's funny that you picked the three one as well. I just think that confidence wise, Benfica right now has to be at an all time high. I understand the hiccup against against the uh, Gaulers. But again, as I mentioned before, I think they've just given the people the money's worth and extended the game as much as possible, uh, you know, like like any good person would do. But it's going to be interesting to see the way Benfica matches up that intensity at the start of the game. To me, that's what it comes down to. I do think Benfica has got a little bit more quality today. Again, they have to take advantage of their opportunities. Gil Costa is a monster. And when Taremi gets his chance, he's going to put on the back of the net. But I think Benfica is going to control play, but it's all going to come down to, and I keep emphasizing, I keep talking about it here on the pot, that attitude, man. We know Porto's going to bring it. We we need, we want Benfica to match. And if Benfica matches it, I think we win that game. Yeah, I'm going to have to go 3-1 Porto. I think uh, if Porto scores the early one, Benfica might tie it up. And then Porto's going to go up 2-1. And then I think it'll just be a consolation goal in the end when Benfica's going for the to tie it up. And I think Porto just put it away. Like, what's the 85th minute, 89th minute? That's what I see. I'm going to say 3-2 Porto. I really like the way Porto has been trending in form. Uh, I think they're going to extend their winning streak, and I think that they're going to make things level uh, at top table. Friday will make it 1,329 days since Benfica last beat Porto in any competition. Can they get a win? I think that they have the players to do so. David Neres getting back and, and being healthy will be absolutely crucial, though, because without him... Frankly, their attack has been somewhat stale. Big game for Gonzalo Ramos. I know he's had a strong start of the season, but I definitely think he has to answer a lot of questions uh, going forward. Overall, though, I think it's going to be a, a really exciting match between, uh, for me, the two best clubs in Portugal right now. Enzo Fernandez is going to be a huge key for Benfica in the way to control the game. And, and look, he's played every single minute of every game. Poor guy. Not every game, but he did last against Scholars. And I think he's got the most minutes of any Benfica player. Uh, he's been playing what seems like for two straight years where he would play advancing to the Libertadores and the whole nine. But the guy's just a machine. He's going to be another one another one of those that Benfica's not going to hold on to much longer. But I, I think he's the key to this game. Um, he's going to dictate pace. And I think uh, Benfica just, if they're able to put away their chances, we've seen them miss more than what, you know, than converting them. Um, I think Vifigo will come away with a comfortable win. I think Porto is obviously going to bring in that garra. Going to start the Dragon playing against 17, when you consider the 11 Porto players, the two VARs, uh, the guy, <laughs> two VAR refs, the, the fourth official. Nah, jokes aside. Uh, it'll be interesting, man. I'm always, look, these are the games I, I want to watch, man. I'm excited for Friday. Yeah, that's the guy that I'm going to be worried about. Enzo Fernandez. That guy's been a monster. He's going to dictate the flow. And if things work, Benfica can have that easy result. So hopefully Porto's midfield will muzzle that. And let's see what happens. It's I can see this game going three to one either way, but I'm going to stick with my boys. Just like everyone here. How There's three this? people that pick Porto and only one Benfiquista. So. It's okay. It's I'm going to all right from there. Everybody yesterday on every single pregame show predicted the Giants were going to lose to the Ravens and the Giants won. So that's okay. I'll be the only guy. But look, this is how about this? How about this for a prediction? Otamendi, man of the match. Absolutely. He's played well in every of those matches and still lost. Because he's got that garra, bro. Yeah. He actually brings that attitude that, that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> he does. Yep. I, I'm really – honestly, the guy I'm really worried about is Rafa. I think he's a guy that can just – he can score a goal out of nothing. And I think he's someone that can change momentum in this whole game. So if there's somebody I'm actually very worried about, it's probably Rafa Silva. Speed kills. Zach, <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> I don't mention my Ravens losing, so this is going to end on a bad note. But uh, thank you to everybody for tuning in. Absolute pleasure to have you guys here. Uh, definitely not the last for the Porto Pod in English. And uh, unfortunately, it won't be the last for Cristiano either. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Appreciate you.